You're listening to Influential Barbecue, the podcast where we talk to influencers in the barbecue industry to uncover how they've cultivated huge followings, unique income sources, and sponsorship possibilities from a love of cooking outdoors. If you want to turn your passion for food and fire into a world of opportunities, you're in the right place. And now your host, Jordan Moore. Hello and welcome to Influential Barbecue. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I'm so excited to get this podcast off the ground and to have some great conversations with some really amazing people in our barbecue community. Not just about barbecue and how to cook, but how to manage a social media presence while you're doing it and how to grow it into something more than just an Instagram page. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with Noah Cheek of Cheeky Barbecue in Portland, Oregon. Noah has grown his following to over 30,000 people on Instagram while making some amazing steak and burger videos and just really mastering the simplicity of cooking over fire and cooking on grills. Uh, He's a master of the simple and delicious style that we all know and we all love. We dive into keeping up with Instagram as it updates constantly, taking things away, adding features, moving stuff around. Uh, we talk about how important long-form video content is and will continue to be. And we really dig into some of the best practices when being approached for partnerships and what you should really consider before accepting or declining offers from certain brands. So be sure to give him a follow at cheeky underscore BBQ and check out his website for some of his amazing recipes and tricks at cheekybbq.com. And without further ado, let's get into the interview with Noah Cheek. Hey, Noah, welcome to the podcast, and thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate having you on here. Jordan, my pleasure, man. It's great to uh, connect with you. Um, So just kind of get things rolling here right off the hop. Could you just tell our listeners who you are, where you're from, and and what you're all about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So my name is Noah Cheek. I go by the handle on social media and my website as Cheeky Barbecue. It's just kind of a fun little play on my last name on this account that I started a few years ago. I don't have any sort of formal background in cooking or barbecue or anything like that. I just, I think very similar to how a lot of people probably had their experience. You know, I like lived at home as a child and then went off, you know, to high school and college and then bounced around to apartments after school and never lived, you know, dorms on campus and apartments after school and whatnot. You could, you were never allowed to have a grill. And so, the first time that I moved into a house that allowed me to have a, a barbecue, that was definitely the top list uh, priority item to take care of. So got a little smoker at the time, a little pellet grill, and really quickly kind of became in love with it. Found this amazing barbecue community on Instagram, got really connected with them, and things have really just kind of blown up um, since since that point. So grew the my Instagram account pretty well and then started a website and all of a sudden working with different sponsors and partners and that kind of thing and that's kind of where we're at today. All right. So that's a good Coles notes there. There's a lot of things I want to touch on <laughs> throughout our chalk here. But I mean, I guess, first of all, it was my question would be like, you found a barbecue after college, you know, you finally were able to cook on some sort of grill. How was the transition from the first time you turned that on to deciding, hey, I'm going to start, you know, posting this for people to see? So 
it really started I guess it was it was kind of a quick transition. So I, I got the grill and I started posting on I just had like a personal private Instagram account, you know, mostly photos of my dog. Yeah. Yep. And uh <laughs> you know, just friends and family and you know, that kind of thing. And kept things pretty locked down, like pretty private, didn't really uh, want to put myself out there, you know, be out in the in the public at all. And then I got this smoker and all of a sudden I saw that feed start to transition pretty quickly into being a lot of the food that I was cooking. And I also very quickly realized that there was this community out on social media that was sharing what they were cooking and sharing recipes and tips and tricks. You know, I jumped down like YouTube rabbit holes, of course, like Malcolm Reed and, you know, baby back maniac and all the guys where, you know, I think a lot of us started in the very beginning, um, you know, just finding tips and tricks and whatnot. And I very quickly realized that there were a lot of people that I was wanting to connect with. I was commenting on their posts or messaging them or that kind of thing. And they started requesting to be my friend, wanting to, you know, follow each other and whatnot. And I thought, man, I'm I just have this small little private, you know, I, I don't need my mom to see all this stuff and trying to keep worlds separate. And so like a couple months after I got the smoker, I started Cheeky Barbecue, which was just a anonymous account. Like I didn't put my I didn't put my name on it. I didn't put a photo on it. It was I think I can't remember what it was, maybe like a photo of ribs or something as like my profile picture. <laughs> and I just kind of told myself this will be my fun account that I can anonymously go and interact with all these like food and barbecue accounts and have them connect with me and not have to worry about putting myself out there. At that point, I like I, I underestimated the community really, and so as the community kept growing and I kept connecting with more people and developed, you know, friendships and that kind of thing, I started to own that account a little bit more. You know, put my name on it. I mean, it was really at some point. I, I think it was even just this past year. I finally put my last name on there. Like I would just put Noah on there because it just felt weird yeah. still to like put your last name on it. But people weren't always understanding the connection of Cheeky Barbecue. And then they'd message me like, hey, where'd your name come from? And, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, that was, I mean, it was a pretty quick transition, but it's it, it started, there was kind of an evolution to it. Like it started as just this little private, you know, Instagram account that I was on that I never use anymore. <laughs> and uh, then I transitioned into this one. <laughs> That's awesome. So I I think that's kind of the the route a lot of us take where we we kind of dip our toes in and then the family gets sick of seeing it and then you know we're like okay I'll I'll start this funny little barbecue page here and just <laughs> all of a sudden you're not posting any personal stuff on your account anymore and you've got just all day you're talking to people about how they're cooking things and you know what they're using and you're just building relationships on Instagram same thing with me. I never had my face on anything. I never, you know, had myself in videos or my name. I was just the backyard brisket and that was it. But last few months, you know, it's picked up enough. I'm just like, I, it's the only one I post on. I might as well, you know, yep. let them know who I am and put myself in some videos and stuff there. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you built up this audience and I was going through your page and everything today and like, it looks like you make, you, you kind of really do justice to the simpler cooks in life like you can make a hell of a burger a hell of a steak just i saw some steaks and brussels sprouts on there but just done really well would you say that's kind of your style that you are owning on your page right now 
Yeah. I mean, I think that it's really important that you stay true to who you are. And I think sometimes, especially in social media, there's this world of, you know, who you portray online and then who you are in reality. And my hope is anytime I've ever met anyone or have the opportunity to meet anyone in person that they would just draw, you know, a direct correlation to the same person that I portray, you know, through social media. So I'm not going to try to pretend that I cook a bunch of fancy food. I'm not going to pretend that I'm even a very good cook. You know, I, I like <laughs> eating burgers. I like eating steak. Like I, I like those things and that's what I'm going to cook. And that's what I'm going to feed, you know, my wife and I, and, and that's what I'm going to, uh, you know, try to show online. So I try to, you know, do the food photography and, you know, obviously now it's funny cause social media doesn't really care about photos anymore. It's all about 10 second videos and whatnot. So that's evolved quite a bit, but invested a lot of time and energy and money into equipment and learning equipment and trying to kind of perfect this craft of, you know, food styling and photographs and cooking. But for the most part, yeah, I I keep things really simple. That's just who I, who I am and uh, you know, what, what I like to eat. That's awesome. So, that brings me to another point there because I know I was listening to a previous episode and you're saying you're a really big photography buff, really into finding that shot. I would only assume that that's part of what brought you to the Instagram world was, you know, being able to capture a really nice food photo and share it. But how do you feel now that Instagram is changing so often and so quickly? Now it's basically just TikTok with a pictures page that some people kind of go to like how do you feel trying to keep up with that and evolve with that in order to i guess stay relatively relevant yeah you know it's it's interesting i pretty frequently will reference the idea that like there's people that are chefs and that's what they do and that's who they are and they might happen to have an instagram account and then there's people that are social media people that happen to cook or post food. And I think that it it really depends on what your goals are. So there are a lot of people that I would, you know, professional chefs and whatnot, that's how they're making their living and that's what they do. And that's what they love. And social media is just an outlet for them to share that. And then there's people that are trying to master social media itself. And I have had kind of these weird, like come to Jesus moments of like, okay, if I'm going to keep growing an audience and keep, you know, like you said, like staying relevant, you have to embrace these changes that, that Instagram brings. I mean, I remember when I first started, like there weren't even Instagram stories like that wasn't a thing. And that's a throwback, uh, (laughs) you know, being able to go live IGTV, like doing longer form videos, like none of that existed. It was all about taking a photo. And that was the only way that you could share that content. And I enjoy it in some respects because I think it challenges me. Like it's, it, I've started a YouTube channel that, you know, I haven't posted on for a while, but I have some like longer form videos on there where I've been able to go 
way more in depth into things that I get asked about a lot, like brisket and pork butt and ribs and, you know, kind of your standard barbecue staples. And so it's nice, like that longer form content is awesome because you can really dig into more detail, share more information, have it be kind of like a one-stop shop for resources. And so when things like IGTV came out, it was like, well, okay, it makes more sense to focus on some longer form content now because I can share it to YouTube. I can share it to Instagram now. Like you can you know, share it to Facebook. Like you can kind of get more bang for your buck. So right, you spread it out a little better. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I have a full time job. Like in social media is not what I'm doing full time. Um, I have a wife. We just got married this summer. Like there's a life outside of all this that I try to keep up with. So anything that I can do to get the most value or that, you know, like I said, the most bang for your buck out of, you know, that content, that's what I'm looking at doing. And so reels, like I've embraced reels probably more in the last few months because I don't think they're going anywhere. I mean, TikTok was growing and it's, it's funny. Cause like Snapchat grew like crazy and then Instagram stories all of a sudden, you know, yeah. come up and TikTok now is a huge thing. And so all of a sudden reels come about. So it's just about adapting. It's fun. Like I like the creativity of it. It kind of gets you thinking in a different way than just setting up a, you know, a, a scene and snapping a photo. You got to be a little more into it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm usually resistant to those changes at first, but I think at some point you just got to, you know, kick back and have fun and, and give it a try. Yeah, for sure. I remember, I do remember reels coming out and I, I just posted two TikToks I had and then those blew up immediately. And we're just like, oh, 200,000 views. Wow. And the next all same as TikTok dropped right down to like 2000 views. And it's like, well, <laughs> I, now I got to chase that high again. I got to, I got to keep building them. And you're right. It, it challenges me personally in a way, like I'm driving to work and I think like, oh, I have this thing in the fridge. When I get home this weekend, I can do this thing, but I got to film it all for this reel. And then it gets to the point where like, oh, in my day-to-day -day life, I'm thinking about how I can Instagram food at home again. And this is, this is just strange. <laughs> like, how did, how did I get here? Sure. So what, what reels did you, or, you know, TikToks did you post that, that blew up for you? Like what was kind of the gist of them? <laughs> Uh, I was at camping. There was a Bernese mountain dog in the background and I just put a steak in a pan. And that was it. No context, no nothing, just steak in a pan with a dog in the background. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, this is really easy. I can do this. No problem. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, you know, I, I, so like some of the reason, like the reason why I asked that is because I think one of the drawbacks is what I have found myself doing is when. I have reels that'll, you know, blow up over, you know, 100,000 views or something like that. Like that that's how my my brain starts thinking like, okay, that's the content that people want to see. And so I'm just going to keep regurgitating right. that same content because I know that that's what's doing well and that's what's going to lead to growth and more exposure and, you know, growing the account and that kind of thing. And that's when sometimes I have to just kind of hit pause and take a take a step back. And be like, okay, I have to remember why I did this. Like, I started doing this because it was just fun. It was fun to share what I was cooking and being creative. And I think that that is just always something to be really introspective about is if you catch yourself chasing that next high, like you said, which I think is the perfect way of putting it. I mean, there are 
Instagram psychologists right now that are patting themselves on the back <laughs> that you just called it that, you know, yep. creating content that you want to create, not just trying to catch those views or catch likes and comments. I think it's easy to go down that rabbit hole and you got to catch yourself sometimes. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, I've, I've pulled myself out of there a few times cause, and I, I've even noticed, you know, you get 200,000 views and, but you still only have 200 likes. It's like, it's just, it's just in the reels page. No one's actually watching it. They're just trying to up your view count. So you keep posting to it. Right. Right. So you mentioned, you know, you, you don't want to get away from doing it because you started this because you enjoyed cooking and cooking for people and showing people what you're doing. What would you say your goal is with Cheeky Barbecue? Where do you want to take it or where do you want to see it go? <sighs> that <laughs> That's a really good question. I, I think about it all the time, um, albeit not ever really having a good answer. So, you know, I, I never would have thought that it would grow to the point where it's at. So it's it's really become like truly a, a side hustle for me. And, you know, I've set up in 2021, the beginning of the year, I set up like a little sole proprietor LLC to run all my cheeky barbecue stuff through. There's the website we we kind of alluded to. I started a podcast for a little bit that I eventually just had trouble keeping up with. So that's kind of gone to the wayside, you know, YouTube, all these other avenues. And so the goal at some point would be to use this as an avenue to do it full time but not in the current state that it's in right now. Like what I would love to do is get to the point where I'm creating some sort of, you know, product or service um, that would be associated with the business. And I have been approached a few times about like rubs and sauces and, you know, that kind of thing. It seems like everyone and their mom comes out with a rub now, if you have any decent size social media following. So I'm not interested in that. Like there are too many rubs and like great people in that business that I use. I would rather just use what they put out. (laughs) Um, 100%. I I also don't necessarily want to create a business that is contingent on me, you know, coming out with 10 different recipes every single week and just that constant grind of like putting that content out. So you know, I, I think about it a lot. I bounce ideas off people quite a bit, you know, coming up with some sort of product uh, that fits a void that I have found. I believe in that audience of one, right? Like if I can, if myself, if I'm an audience, if I'm a buyer myself of that product, then I think that there are other people that would fall in line with that too. So that's the ultimate goal. I just haven't figured it out or gotten there yet. Yeah, that's great. I mean, there's a lot of people I know that want to take it full time, but like you said, there's so many people making rubs or, you know, collaborating with already established companies that you can't turn that into a full-time thing because if the company stops doing whatever you've partnered with, then you're on your own now, right? I think it truly is hard to go full-time just cooking and posting pictures of stuff, right? Yeah, and there's, you know, sponsorships are awesome. There are a few companies that I have like longer term sponsorships with, which are great. And then there's kind of those like one-off, like shorter term project base partners that you'll have. But you know, it's the same thing. If the majority of that income that you're getting as a, you know, quote unquote influencer is coming from one or two sponsorships or one or two partners and one or, and one or both of those partners go away, 
you're kind of back to square one. And so it's never a very comfortable feeling knowing that, you know, someone else is kind of, I guess, dictating or in control of the financial success of what you're putting all this hard work into. So when you get the opportunity to like come up with your own product or your own service that you can market, I think that you're in the driver's seat a little more. And that's actually one of the reasons why I see a lot of value in YouTube. You know, if I could go back into the very beginning when I first started, I would have put all of my attention into YouTube and I would have just done longer form as in shorter form too. But like I would have focused on video because video blows up across all social media platforms now over still photography. And YouTube is really the only platform that has monetization built into the platform. So you have an avenue of generating revenue on top of the ability to put out sponsored content and work with partners and affiliate links, you know, embedded in your YouTube descriptions and, you know, all of that. So YouTube, if, if I was just like, if I had to start from scratch, if everything that I've done at this point today was a race and I was starting at zero, I would go full steam ahead on YouTube. And the only thing that I would be posting on Instagram or any other platform would be content that I was duplicating that I had happened to make from YouTube and, you know, transferring over. Right. And that's, that's such a good point too, because I, I think a lot of people forget that YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world that's owned by the first largest search engine in the world, right? And you don't need to put ads up or anything when you're on YouTube. If you click one video in YouTube, you're all of a sudden in a hole getting recommended videos about stuff you weren't even looking for. And then all of a sudden, you know, Cheeky Barbecue shows up down there. You're like, oh, I'd like to learn how to make spare ribs. And now they're in your rabbit hole. Yep. So it's got it's got its own funnels built in that don't cost you anything at the same time. And I think that gets overlooked a lot because people just think, oh, YouTube's just too saturated and it takes too long to build the content. Yeah, and, and it absolutely is. And I mean, at this point, Unless you're truly an early adopter. I mean, I think of like Matt Gork from Gork Boys Barbecue. I've known Matt for years since the very beginning of when we both started this Instagram thing. One of the like most authentic, legit, nicest dudes. But with with Matt, you know, Matt was a true early adopter of TikTok. And he had been on Instagram for a long time and definitely, I would say, was successful in probably the way that he would view it as far as like a lot of the charity work he does and and that kind of thing. But, you know, he was on TikTok before anyone knew what TikTok was. People would make fun of him. They'd call him a, you know, a tween and a, you know, teenager and what are you doing? <laughs> and you're, you're a grandpa on there and that kind of thing. And I mean, the dude's blown up like he's over a million followers on there, maybe even more now. And a lot of that's transitioned over to his, you know, Instagram um, as well. But that's a great example. So, like, unless you're going to be an early adopter of something and go all in, but the risk with that is like TikTok could have totally collapsed, and he would have been doing mm-hmm. all of that work and all that all that time and energy, and it, it could have fizzled out like the vast majority of social platforms do. But he took a chance and he went all in, and it worked. So. Every social media platform yeah. is saturated. And the idea of saying, you know, oh, well, YouTube saturated or Instagram saturated. I mean, I, th- I think that that just boils down to the idea that you have to carve out a niche, like a true niche. And the more specific you can be, the better. And 
you have to figure out how to deliver that content in a unique or more creative way than what you're seeing that's being done. And if you can do that in a very authentic way that's true to who you are, then I don't think saturation matters. I think that the market will find you. Like people will find you if you're putting out valuable content. Yeah, 100%. One side note is I can tell that you're in the States because you said niche and not niche. Both are correct, by the way. <laughs> but no, you're, you're absolutely right because everything now, because there's 8 billion people in the world, everything is saturated, but everyone has their own specific interests. And you, if you can carve that out, you can attract people to come and find you and then start interacting with you. And then they spread the niche for you. Absolutely. Like that's, that's something a lot of people, I think if you're getting started in this and you're wondering, Hey, how do I, you know, how do I start taking my fun of cooking steaks and turn it into something that could potentially blow up? You need, you need to find a niche style and a niche delivery to put it out there and not just copy the folks that you like watching, right? Learn from them, see what they're doing, see how they interact see what they're doing on the platforms, but put your own twist on it, find what you need to do, and then elevate it above theirs so that people will start to notice what you're up to as well. Absolutely. And there, there's a few thoughts that come to mind. I'm probably going to forget them as we as I move through this, but <laughs> I think about the YouTube channel Binging with Babish. Are you familiar with the channel? Yeah, Amazing channel. Yeah. And you think about the content that he put out, and it's literally just like chest down hands with food cooking and he's doing like voiceover work on yep. the, on the channel and he has since blown up and he has a cookbook and he's on Netflix cooking shows with John Favreau and chef Roy Troy and like yeah. he's you know doing all this stuff and so i think what happens is people look at where he's at now and they start judging themselves based on where he's at now. And they don't think about where he was five years ago or two years ago or three years ago, like maybe not even that long ago. And so one of the differentiators that sets these people apart, like one, you shouldn't ever judge yourself with where you are now, like in your journey at the beginning to where someone is midway or you know, down the road, much farther down in their journey, right? Like there's a big Delta between that, that yep. doesn't get recognized. There's a saying that one podcast I listen to a lot. The one thing he always says is like, I use the RPG analogy, the role-playing game for all you folks is don't compare your level one character to a level 60 character. Totally, totally different quests at that point, And you just got to do what you can do to get there. Yeah. And like, remember that that, that player was also a level one at some point, yep. right? So I can't stress that enough. And a lot of it's reminding myself of that too, because I get caught up in that too, right? The other thing is I'm a, I'm a pretty big Gary Vaynerchuk fan. And Gary talks a lot about like social media growth and that kind of thing. And one of the things he said a long time ago in some of his videos is everything you do needs to be one of two E's. It either needs to educate or it needs to entertain. And any content that you put out needs to do one of those two things. And if you can figure out a way to do both at the same time, you will grow. You will, you will put out quality content. If you can educate people while you're entertaining them, that's the, like, that's the component. That's the X factor 
that people are missing. I think about that quite a bit like on my end. I'm like, okay, what type of educational content can I put out and can I do it in an entertaining way? And I think, you know, I think like Babish, I think he's a great example of that, of, of really in a creative way being able to put out both. The guy takes cartoon meals and makes them in real life. And it's just like, dude, that looks disgustingly delicious. Absolutely. Like, I will die if I eat it, but I would love to eat that. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to, to jump back to something you said previously about sponsorships. And I think you'll see new accounts post with, you know, they'll have Yetis beside their steak or a specific brand name beside whatever post they're doing. They're obviously thinking a good way to make some money would be to get a sponsorship from a company to pay them to make Instagram ads. I haven't personally had any sponsorships come through yet, but I wanted to, you know, maybe pick your brain on how someone new would go about reaching out to sponsorships or selecting how they would approach a company or a brand for a sponsorship and what what kind of things can they expect in return? Are they expecting product? Are they expecting money or just exposure? Or like, what are your experiences and advice on that? Yeah, you know, th- this is such a tricky world to navigate because everyone is very hush-hush about it. And because people don't like to talk about it, there's no sort of index to measure against. Like, it, it's not like Instagram just comes out and says, okay, if you have X number of followers or X amount of engagement or whatever, like, here's, you know, the going rate for what you're looking for. Like, right. it's so specific to each industry and it's so different company to company. So, any sort of standardization is really, really tricky. But I think that there's a few things I could offer as far as like what I wish I had known a few years ago and kind of mistakes that I've made or, or how I've evolved. And the first one would be, don't be afraid to say no. Don't feel like you have to say yes to everything. There's that feeling of the the first company that reaches out to you and you can't believe that you've been doing this thing that you love doing that's been so fun. You, you probably started it just for fun. And all of a sudden, a company wants to send you something or maybe compensate you you know, for repping this product. And immediately, you just want to say yes. And I think that I should step back and say it depends on what your goals are. If your goals are to really grow and try to create something like a brand that's going to be here for a long period of time, then your mindset should be on the long game. And if you don't have to take a sponsorship deal, like you you should wait as long as you can until you do that. Because once you do any sort of monetization or share that content, it definitely changes the mindset that you bring to social media. And that's not always a bad thing. It, it doesn't have to be, but it's different. It's different when you're just kind of naturally and organically sharing content. And then all of a sudden now you're sharing sponsored stuff. And I think that a lot of people just get that excitement of the fact that someone reached out to them and they want to say yes. And it's a product that maybe they don't know a lot about. Maybe they don't fully believe in it, or it's not a product that they would use regardless of if it was a sponsorship or not. And that's when people get in trouble. You know, like I'll I'll see people that will push a grill or something, right? Like a grill brand. And it's 
like the fifth grill brand that they've repped in the last year or something. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, you know, there's nothing wrong. If, if, if you want to poise yourself to be kind of more of a product review or, you know, like that kind of niche, I should say, Mm -hmm. then that's okay. But like for me, you know, I I've worked with a couple brands, but for the most part, it's, they've been pretty like long-term partnerships. I I don't want to jump from company to company to company. I just never think that that looks very good. So be really mindful and intentional about who you're wanting to work with. Number one, I think that that's the advice that I would give. I think that there's people I've talked to that have jumped at deals that seemed like a really good opportunity at the time. And probably didn't read all the fine print about like once you create that content, what they can do with it and how they probably own it in perpetuity now and that kind of thing. Yep. And so now like I still get paid advertisements for some of my Instagram friends on Facebook or on Instagram of stuff that they did like two years ago that they want nothing to do with that company now, but their content is being used in those ads. So yeah. You know, don't think about it like as a you know short-term deal. Think about it like, hey, in, in five or ten years from now, would I still want my content being associated with this company? That would be number one. If you use that as a barometer, then I think you'll probably put yourself in a better spot to start out with. And then number two, like I've never had a lot of success, and and very rarely have I initiated conversations with brands. Uh, as far as wanting to partner with them, it's typically always initiated from the brand side to me. And it's like, just personally, I think it's really, really hard to write a message, kind of cold emailing or cold calling a brand and like not coming off as just like really thirsty and like sending off that message. Right. And so yeah. I just never feel good about it. There's, I think maybe once or twice I've reached out to brands where I just thought like I, I believed in the product and I thought that I'd be a good fit for them and was curious if there would be, you know, a partnership opportunity. But the vast majority of partnerships that I've had have been initiated from the brand. And if you're not getting noticed by the brand, like one thing I would recommend is engage in their content, like follow them and then engage in all of their content, like get noticed by just authentically engaging with that brand. And that's a really easy way. If it's a, if it's a high quality brand that has a social media person that's running that account and they're noticing that you're engaging on all of their content over a decent period of time, that's going to start to spark opportunities for them to be thinking about you once the time comes that perhaps they open like ambassador program or, you know, short-term sponsorship program or different projects, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, I think it's also important, like you have to think about like what value are you bringing? It's not always about like people look at situations and it's all about me, right? Like, Hey, give me this, send me like partner with me, give me money to do this, like give me product to do this. And instead try to put your hat, like your perspective on as like, what value am I bringing to the brand? And don't be afraid to spend money with that brand. I mean, there are several partnerships I have where I went and bought the grill or I went and bought the cookware or the knife or, you know, whatever. 
and like me just authentically sharing my experience with that product caused there to be more engagement, which then caused there to be a longer term, you know, partnership that was created. And that's kind of going back to number one, where it's like, you got to think for the long term. And so you going out and maybe you're not in a position to, depending on what the product is. Like, I'm not saying if you go and buy a thousand dollar Yeti, Yeti's going to, you know, offer you a partnership. But I think that if I was running the social media for Yeti and I saw this person that absolutely loved my product and was creating some great content around it really consistently and was engaging on all of our content that we were putting out, like that's a more attractive person for me to want to go partner with. Right. And so I think you just have to think about like that, that kind of mindset. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, you have to buy into the brand for the brand to want to buy into you, right? Like they can smell someone who just wants free stuff from a mile away. They get those messages every day. But if you're constantly like not in a spammy way, but constantly tagging them because you're cooking dinner with their product every day, then eventually they're going to be like, this person's got a decent following. They're active. They really like what we're doing. Then maybe they'll reach out and then you can start the dialogue. One thing I've noticed too is just respond to stories of brands because there's someone's going to get a notification on their phone, if not three or four people, whoever's running the account, and they're going to want to clear that notification. They're at least going to open your message and see your profile picture. And they see that enough, they're going to probably read it and respond to you. And then all of a sudden you're resharing stuff and you've got this rapport built up. You know, you have to be authentically interested in communicating with these brands if you want them to take you seriously as well, I think. Absolutely. And, you know, to, to that point, like responding to stories is a great suggestion because it gets you in their direct messages. And that's also a great barometer for you to use as far as if it's a brand you really want to work with. Because if you send a brand a message and two or three weeks goes by and they don't even look at the message or open it or anything like that, I mean, there, there are some exceptions, obviously, if the brand is gigantic, they're probably not getting to every direct message they're receiving. But if it's a you know small to mid-sized brand that you're wanting to work with, uh, and they're not responding to direct messages that come in from people that are following them, then that raises a little bit of a red flag for me of like, if that's a brand I want to work with, right? Like, what's that communication flow going to look like if I end up partnering with them? For sure. So that's a great option too, because you can really discern from some of those messages and how they treat you as just a customer as far as like if that's a partnership that makes sense for you. Right. So I want I want to pick your memory for a bit here because I, I know you, you mentioned earlier, you know, when you have sponsorships, you have to kind of rethink how you're going about posting. So go back to what your first sponsorship deal was and did you feel awkward trying to peddle products or did you were you standing there stiff like here buy my buy this knife it's really great <laughs> like how how did you kind of deal with that cuz i know for me it would be it would feel so awkward the first few times trying to do that yeah i mean you know it's funny cuz as soon as i as soon as i brought up working with that first partnership i i figured you'd bring it up and i can't remember who it was <laughs> i can't remember what that first deal was let me think so the first pellet grill that i got was i'll just say the brand was traeger so i i live in oregon i live in the portland oregon area and traeger was actually founded here in oregon so oregon is their highly like their most highly saturated market i mean 
everyone and their mom and their grandma here owns a Traeger, right? So, like, mom and dad buy a Traeger, so then they, you know, kids get the hand-me-downs. And so, I had went out and bought one. That was, like, I paid my own money for it and everything, and then they started an ambassador program, and I joined that. I had hesitations from the beginning because I had just started down this journey, And one of the criteria of being a part of the ambassador program was that you had to be 100% exclusive as far as any sort of grill, brand, manufacturer, device, anything to Traeger. And, And there's no compensation involved. I think they sent you a free grill and then there was like some accessories and pellets and that kind of thing that they sent you. And I loved my Traeger. I mean, I cooked on it almost every day, like every weekend I was doing longer smokes on it. And so for me, I was like, yeah, no big deal. Like I'm cooking on this thing all the time anyway. I don't have anything else. And, you know, after a while, like if you get down this barbecue rabbit hole, you start to realize like there's a lot of great cookers out there and there's a lot of different ways to cook and you start to get intrigued and interested And so the exclusivity part became a huge issue for me. And that was ultimately why I decided not to renew my agreement with them. And so that was one of those things where I I don't regret the partnership because I wouldn't be here today and I wouldn't have made a bunch of the connections I've made today if I didn't uh, like do that partnership really early on. And I still think Traeger's a phenomenal brand. I think they make phenomenal grills. I think a lot of the people I connect with now still today cook on them and love them. Almost everyone in my family has one on their patio. Like they're they're great. But if you look at it from a social media like what I was trying to do as far as kind of grow this cheeky barbecue brand and truly learn more about cooking and at some point I made the decision like I wanted to be a resource where if anyone had any questions about cooking, no matter what they were cooking on, I wanted to be able to help them and be a resource for them. And so being kind of pigeonholed into a pellet grill, I felt like wasn't helping me get to that point that I wanted to be at. Right. So that was kind of an example. And I think it it wasn't a true like sponsorship as far as a lot of like the disclosures you have to make and there wasn't any sort of compensation. And that was an easy one for me to transition into because it was basically everything I was doing anyway. I just was now a part of like this official team to do it. So that transition, like the way that I look at it now is if it's not a product that I would be using anyway, I don't want to partner with that company. Like if I have to go out of my way to create content for this product, then it's not a good fit. Like I would rather say no at that point. And I had kind of a shorter term partnership with a portable power, like a electric portable power little pack kind of thing. I I can't like almost like a generator, like a battery generator. They're super cool. I mean, the product was amazing. I still use them today and it wasn't, there wasn't any compensation. It was just like a four product kind of agreement and I loved it. But what I found myself doing is like, well, I cook everything on my patio. 
So how am I going to like <laughs> highlight <laughs> this portable power unit effectively? Like I'm not bringing them any value in the content that I'm creating. They did a lot of work with people that are, you know, really avid in the outdoors, like camping every weekend or living out of vans mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of these crazy overlanding, you know, build outs. And that was a great demographic for them. But I just was finding myself having to like go out of my way to figure out how to do this content. And after that short little stint came up, they asked about wanting to work together again. And I just, I had to politely decline because it just wasn't a good fit for me. Like it just didn't make sense with what I was doing. Yeah. You don't want to start dragging all your pellet grills into the woods and setting up a photo op there and then your battery runs out and your food's cold now and (laughs) exactly worth it. I think a lot of that's the mindset that you should be, you in general should consider is what products are you using? You know, you're probably going to be using pellets. You're probably going to be using charcoal. You're probably going to be using wood. You're going to be using, you know, cooking meat. Most likely you're going to like, what are the things that you'd be doing anyway? And how can you partner with brands that are a good fit for what you would do, whether or not you had the partnership anyway? Because at that point, you can just seamlessly build them into the content that you're creating. Right. I think that's such great advice. And you have to take a step back and, you know, not think about what free stuff can I get, but, you know, what am I using that I can, a partnership is just that you're, you're helping someone who's helping you back and forth. You're scratching each other's backs and you just have to keep that in mind when you're trying to find these deals because eventually you're just going to have too much free shit in your house and a lot of people asking you to post pictures of it where you just can't do that. Kind of where I'm at now is like I would rather have a few really strong, solid partnerships and say no to everything else than have like 15 smaller partnerships that I'm constantly having to put up with. And the other thing that I've implemented in like the last year or so, and this is another Gary Vaynerchuk thing, is it's either 100% or it's 0%. Like if I'm going to work with you, I'm either charging you 100% of what my quote unquote rate or fee would be for that content, or I'm going to do it for free. And I'm not like, I'm not on sale. I'm not doing any discounts. I don't care about what the retail, you know, the quote unquote retail price or cost is of the product that you're giving me. Like you're either going to compensate me fully for my time or I'm going to be willing to do it for free. And there's been plenty of brands, especially like anyone that's local to me where I actually know the person or have met them face to face and, you know, or if it's just people I want to help out. I'm not like I'm not going to charge them for that. Like I'm just I'm going to do that because I want to do it because it feels good to do it and that is part of the fun of developing a platform where you can help kind of be a megaphone for some of these brands that you really care about. Um, especially when it's like great people behind it. And so I don't mind doing that. Like I will create the best content that I can and say as many great things about your brand as I can and I will do it all for free if it's in that category and something that I believe in. Outside of that, like you don't get a discount. Like this is what I charge and that's what you can pay me. And if you don't want to do that, that's okay. But like that's where I'm at now. And I think sometimes people just get caught in this, like, well, okay, they like the brand is always gonna make you go first in any sort of negotiation. They're always gonna ask you, hey, what's your rate for this? The worst thing you can do is come back and say, I charge this much for a post. 
And then they say, okay, great. We'd like you to do, you know, X number of posts at this rate. And that's what it's like. No, what you need to be doing is asking as many questions as you can about what that is. And their response to that email, like to your response is going to tell you everything you need to know. So now when a brand reaches out and they say, Hey, we've got this product or this project, we'd like you to work on it. Can you share your rate sheet or, you know, whatever for this? You know, it's, it's very much like, oh, I'm, I'm so honored. Thank you. What's the product? How much content are you looking? Are you looking at photos? Are you looking at video? What do you plan on doing with that content? Are you just going to be sharing it on social media? Is it going on your website in perpetuity? Are you going to be plastering it on a billboard? Are you going to be using it in a commercial? What's the timeline expectation? what sort of like shared rights and whatnot to the content, like never give a brand exclusive rights to your content. At the very least, you should be getting shared rights to that contract. I've had a couple brands try to pass over contracts to me where it said they had exclusive rights to the content that I was creating, like to the point where I wouldn't even own the content. And like, you never want to do that. (laughs) No, don't do that. (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, you just ask a lot of clarifying questions before you know, hey, I, I can't really answer your question as w- of what my rate is because I need to know like these 10 things before I can do that. And if it's a quality brand or a quality marketing manager or a marketing agency that they're working with, they should have no problem coming back and giving you very, very detailed answers to all of those questions. And then you can sit there and decide, okay, I think it like, basically you just look at it like a job, right? Like I want to make X number of dollars an hour. I think it's going to take me this long to create a recipe. I think it's going to take me this long to develop the content that they want me to execute for that recipe. It's going to take me this long to actually cook the recipe. Like a brisket is much different than a ribeye as far as like how much time it's going to take for me, right? So that's Mm -hmm. a different conversation. I have to think about the fuel consumption on the grill that I'm using. I have to think about my time. I have to think about all the cost of everything that's going into it if they're not providing the product for me. And you factor all that in and then you come up with a bid and you share that with them and it's it's a yes or no. Or a, most, most of the time it's some sort of negotiation. But that's kind of how I approach it. I, I feel like I just went on a huge tangent here and I'm, I'm sorry for that. But like working with brands now, that's kind of the mindset and it's like no one talks about it. And so it just gets so frustrating for me because you go through and you just figure this stuff out on your own and you make a lot of mistakes. And I feel like brands are able oftentimes to really take advantage of people because they'll run a project and you see it like our community is pretty small. Right. And so you'll see that there's a brand that comes out that wants to run a project and you say yes or you say no. And then within like a one or two week window, you see 15 different people are posting about the same thing. Right. So everyone got that same email, but no one's talking about it. No one's talking about what their rates were. And, you know, someone with a much smaller following that maybe is a little more savvy to what they're doing could be getting compensated a lot more than someone with a much more engaged, larger audience because they didn't know what they were doing. And that's always kind of a frustrating thing is like, I just wish there was more transparency there so that we could help support each other as a community better. 
but there was so much good stuff in that response. So thank you for that. <laughs> you know what? That's one of the major reasons I started this podcast is because there's so much going on behind the actual content that no one really discusses because everyone feels like it's a secret or, you know, if you're a service like say you're a barbecue joint in Portland, you don't want to just shun away the barbecue joint on the other side of Portland. You want to be friends with them. You want to work together, share ideas, and then all of a sudden you guys together are the two best barbecue joints in Portland, not one versus the other. You're a tandem. There's a lot of things in the barbecue community in social media that are the tandem team of, hey, we're going to work together, build each other up, help each other out. But then it comes to these back-end things like finding partnerships or talking about deals or anything like that, where it's just a complete closed door. And you're right, there's going to be smaller accounts, like the content they make has more virility to it, where it's more likely to take off, where they could make so much more, but because they only have 4,000 followers, the brand's like, no, we'll pay you less. And then you get someone with half a million who just posts a photo and they get three times as much or whatever. And I just, I think that's a conversation that needs to be had a bit more. And like, I'm so glad you opened up about that with me because it's, it's such an important thing to people that want to take this and build it into something more than just running an Instagram account. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that the idea that you just brought up as far as supporting each other and, and having these true connections with other people in the community, that's been huge. I mean, I've had several paid sponsorships that have come because people that I'm good friends with have worked with companies that have recommended me to work with them too, and vice versa. Like I've had plenty of partnerships that have been initiated on my end that I've referred or recommended, you know, friends to that I thought would be good fit, a good fit for what they were doing. Like that is a great way. I, you should be engaging in the community anyway, just because that is the whole reason why we do this and why it's so much fun for me. But like, that's a great opportunity to see what other people are going through. And also like sharing that experience, you know, like, Hey, I I've had people say, Hey, I saw that you worked with this company, you know, X number of months ago or years ago, they reached out to me can you let me know like what your experience was like working with them? And sometimes it's very positive and sometimes it's not, but it's nice to be able to have those conversations and, you know, advocate for each other. So you're not just flying blind into those situations. And so that's something I would do for sure. Like if there's a brand that, you know, you really want to work with and you see that they have a program in place with people that are working with that brand, if you're friends or you have connections with the people that are, are part of that program, reach out to them and just like anyone that I've had an authentic connection with has been more than willing to be transparent with me about what their experience was like, whether it was positive or negative. And that helps break down a lot of those kind of walls or barriers that we're talking about. Um, I, th that's a great way to overcome some of it. hundred percent. And it's, it's one thing I have to remind myself even of every now and then is, you know, people can tell if you're just, you know, watching TV and commenting on things to boost engagement, they can tell if you're not being entirely authentic. So like, you got to make sure you take the time, look at the actual post and comment what you feel. If you don't want to comment, don't comment. Because if it's just three emojis, they're going to be like, okay, they just slap three emojis on there to try and, <laughs> you know, spread the engagement around. Yep. Sometimes it works and it's fine, but you know, be you. And if you do enjoy stuff, let people know why you enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. I got one more, one more question for you, Noah. 
If you were to start what you're doing, if you started Cheeky Barbecue tomorrow from scratch, what would be the number one piece of advice you'd give yourself, not from a content creation or photography standpoint, but if you were to start Cheeky Barbecue as a business platform on social media, what would be the number one piece of advice you'd give yourself to get going on the right foot? Hmm. I, I think that what I would say is the the future in content creation is video. I believe that very strongly. I think that people are always going to resonate with video more strongly. So whether that's a 10 or 15 second reel or TikTok to a, you know, 20 minute IGTV or YouTube video, you know, that kind of thing. I, I think that video is the way to go. And so I would tell myself or others to get over the insecurities that most people have with putting their face on camera that are very challenging to get over and something I still feel (laughs) and learn how to do video to the point where it's good enough to, to put content out, but don't get hung up on that and just put the content out. I think that a lot of times what people miss with trying to grow an online presence is the consistency that is required to really grow. I mean, for the first, I think, two years that I had this page, this Instagram page, I posted, at least the first year, I posted every single day. I had an Instagram post every single day. And I don't really do that anymore. I I probably should, but I don't. But when I first started, it was every single day. And I think like, it's funny because I bring up Gary Vaynerchuk again, but he's, he has a great deck that's on his website somewhere. I can't remember where it was, but it was like how to create 55 pieces of content from one YouTube video. And he gave a, uh, like a keynote speech or something like he speaks at conferences and whatnot pretty frequently. So at least in a pre-COVID world. So he took like an hour long keynote that he gave and he showed how, you know, his content team breaks that down and gets 55 pieces of content from that one video. And there's some things to keep in mind because I know people are going to push back on me when I say that and say, well, (laughs) he has a content team that's breaking that all down. He has one or two you know, videographers and and photographers that literally follow him around everywhere. But I think that if you get caught up in that minutia, you know, you're missing the forest for the trees. Like think about how you can make a 10 minute long video and how much content can you pull from that video? How many still photos can you take? How many short 10, 15 second clips can you take? You know, can you show the process? Can could you make three different videos, right? Like what you were doing before you were cooking, what the cooking process was like and what it was like after. I mean, you could do a whole YouTube video on just resting brisket. Like that is such a minutia of the entire process. And you could have an amazing video that I'm, I'm going to make probably this weekend about resting brisket. Like don't be afraid to get as detailed and in the minutia as you can truly figure out ways to get the best bang for your buck out of all the content that you create and be as consistent as you can. And then engage, engage, engage. Like that's the same thing that I did when I started this account. And that's pretty much the same advice I would give to myself or anyone like starting out. 
everyone wants like a shortcut, right? Everyone wants to just pay 15 bucks and buy 15,000 followers or whatever and pay for likes and videos and that kind of thing. Like that's the world we live in, but you just got to grind it out and it's going to take a long time. And yeah, it's a lot harder now than it was three, four years ago. But I believe that the market is always correct. If you're doing a good job, people will find you. If you're putting out good content, people will find you. And you just got to grind it out and be really consistent with it over a long period of time. That's awesome. I think nail on the head there on how you need to start it, you know, be yourself, stretch the content as far as you can without it being boring and repetitive and just make connections in the community. Because if you're making real connections, you're going to grow just like any other place, a new job, new city, new whatever, just like that. You know, you have to be you and you have to meet people and connect with people in order to kind of grow things out and expand them. A thousand percent. So Noah, thank you so much for coming on here today. It's been a, such a pleasure talking to you. Where can people find more about you and what you're up to and where can they see your face? Yeah. Uh, if you want to see this ugly mug, you're welcome to find me on Instagram. It's cheeky underscore BBQ. The dude that owns cheeky BBQ has had his account inactive for like five years or six years. And it drives me crazy. I just... I keep like trying to report him as spam, even though he's not he's not really spam. But uh, so I've got the underscore in there, cheeky underscore BBQ. You can also check out my website, cheekybbq.com. I post some of the recipes that I work on on there and that kind of thing. I'm on Facebook too, Facebook and Twitter. I'm on TikTok, uh, but I'm not, I'm not super active on there. But hit me up on Instagram. I'll definitely uh, get back to you. I respond to all the DMs that I get and everything. So. Can confirm. He does. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much, man. And uh, I'll hope to talk to you soon. Maybe we'll get you back on here in a few months and you can be talk to us about how you're now going full time. I like it. Yeah. Jordan, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. It was good talking to you and best of luck with starting the podcast. It is a really fun platform to engage with people. And like, like you said, like go more in depth to, you know, behind this photo that you see on, you know, Instagram and getting to know who people are and whatnot. So really uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm so sick of hearing about how to season a brisket. So I want to <laughs> learn how to, you know, reach more people and affect more lives because I'm going to start using more than salt and pepper and people can come after me if they want. I like it. I got your back, brother. You're all good. (laughs) Perfect. Thanks so much, Noah. I had such a good time chatting with Noah about everything. He's such a down-to-earth guy and just a real pleasure to hang out with. I'm super excited about the depth he went into talking about partnerships that he's navigated and his recommendations for some of the best practices to keep in mind when you're looking towards those types of opportunities. He really stresses the point to be selective with partnerships and sponsorships. If it's not a product or brand you're passionate about or that you're going to use, it's okay to turn it down. You want to be sure you're bringing value to the brand and in return they're bringing value to you and it's something to always keep in mind when you're considering working with brands or companies please go give noah a follow at cheeky underscore bbq and check out his website cheekybbq.com i'll link all of that in the show notes which you can find at influentialbarbecue.com thank you so much for tuning in this week this is the first week of the show and i'm so happy to get this out into the world there's going to be new episodes every week on wednesday at 6 a.m eastern time 
I'm always looking for feedback on this show from you. I'm sitting in my studio by myself, recording in front of a black hole, basically. So any feedback you give me will help me improve this show and bring you better episodes and better content. Just shoot me an email at podcast at influentialbarbecue.com or send a DM to Influential Barbecue on Instagram. I'm Jordan Moore. You can follow my barbecue adventures on Instagram at The Backyard Brisket. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Keep on grilling.